Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Vegetable Beat. Um, we are live from Nebraska and Iowa this week. It's May 26th, I, and this is a live weekly roundtable discussion during the growing season for vegetable producers in the Great Lakes and Midwest region. I'm your host, Katie King from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Mike Rinke is our Zoom engineer in the background, helping everything run smoothly. Um, today, we'll be talking about summer lettuce production. I am joined today by Dr. Ajay Nair, Associate Professor in the Department of, Agri- Department of Horticulture excuse me, at Iowa State University, and Emily Fagan of Humble Hands Harvest, an organic worker-owned cooperative farm in Decorah, Iowa. Um, a reminder to live attendees in the Zoom room or on Facebook, you can submit questions to the chat or Q&A box or in the Facebook comments and We'll try to answer those as we go, um, and we may save some others for the end. So, Emily and Ajay, thank you both for being on the Vegetable Beat with me today, and um, we'll go ahead and get into it. Um, so, I thought we would start with talking about summer lettuce demand um, and maybe some of the feedback that you get from customers and um, so maybe, Emily, you can start with, we'll start with you first. Um, because, you know, a lot of times, you know, I think early on when I was gardening, I would think about bitter tasting greens, that kind of thing. So um, talk a little bit about the demand and the feedback that you're getting from customers. Sure. Um, summer is definitely when people want to eat lettuce because it's hot out and cold salad sounds good. <laughs> uh, so the demand is there for sure. Um, but yeah, hard to get like nice giant heads of lettuce in the summer. Lettuce really doesn't want to do that very much. So um, I don't know. My customers aren't necessarily totally uh, open about their feelings about things. So I would guess at what their um, what their feedback might be. And yeah, I think we, there is one variety of lettuce that that we grow. It's called Muir that. Um, it probably still does get a little bitter, but not nearly like other varieties. So we grow that and people like that um, probably more than the other kinds we try in the summer. Um, but I think they wish the heads were bigger. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh-huh. my sense of it, I guess. I think, Katie, just to add to what Emily mentioned, I mean, lettuce or the greens have become kind of an integral part of our diet. You go to a restaurant, at home, you know, the green, we always start with the greens. And once you get hooked to some of these good, nice lettuce, you know, cultivars or types and romaines and bibs and butterheads in the spring, it's hard to wean out of it, right? We still mm-hmm. keep wanting it. <laughs> and Absolutely. That's where, that's where this challenge, which Emily is mentioning, of how can we have these lettuce, which prefers cool season, uh, how can we have them in the summer? So I feel like our growers here in Iowa, including Emily, are pushing the boundaries and, and trying to see if we can have this uh, uh, good quality and high quality lettuce available to our customers, you know, even much into the summertime. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, some of the health trends too, where there's like people are replacing bread or other things with lettuce. Um, so I, I would assume there's some demand um, increase there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about, um, you know, so obviously on the farm, you're growing it. And then Ajay, you've done some research with summer lettuce production. Are you using seeds or transplants? Um, talk a little bit about that production process. Mm-hmm. 
Well, for growing head lettuce, we we start transplants in the greenhouse and then we plant them out into the field. Um, and we also do grow a, like a salad mix, baby leaf type thing in the summertime. And we go back and forth on that. In the past couple of years, we've grown the Salanova varieties from Johnny's during the summer. Um, but sometimes we also just direct seed a salad mix um, straight out into the field. Um, yeah, the in the summer, the hard thing about one hard thing about lettuce for us is that our greenhouse is really hot, obviously, and the seeds don't like to germinate when it's really hot. So we struggle with transplants germinating, um, which is why we sometimes decide we want to do the direct seeded stuff for the salad mix anyways. Um, but yeah. yeah, Emily, Emily brings in a very good point, especially with the hot temperature and germination. Uh, the uh, the optimal temperature for the lettuce seed to germinate is anywhere between like 68, 70, 72. But as soon as it goes above 70, the germination percentage starts coming down. So that is that's a hard you know hard uh, uh, issue to manage, especially when you want to germinate something quickly and, and want to establish it before it gets too hot. Uh, the other thing I think uh, our, our listeners and, and growers uh, would pay want to pay an attention is the time to grow the transplants, and and Emily can attest to it. You know, it takes about let's say four weeks to to three to four weeks to grow the transplants if it's you grown in the spring. But when you're trying to grow the transplants more in the summer months, like now, that time is shrunk. I mean, it is it is not three weeks. You know, within two and a half weeks, your transplants might be ready to be planted. So you might be scrambling to get your plots ready and bed shape or bed shape if you're using plastic. So the duration to grow the transplant also changes depending on when you want to plant transplant your lettuce in the summer or early summer or in the in the spring. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> what about um, now? It sounds like you do it entirely in the field. Um, but what about like Ajay, do you know of people or even Emily too, um, that are using high tunnel production, shade cloth, you know, what are, what are some of the tools and structures that help in the process for the summer lettuce production? Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, I would say, uh, there is definitely an uptick, uh, when it comes to, uh, growing lettuce, uh, in the high tunnel. Uh, it's, it's a great crop based on a recent survey that was done in the Midwestern states of high tunnel producers, almost 50 to 55% of the high tunnel producers have grown lettuce in their high tunnel at some point. The number one crop is always tomato. <laughs> that's the one, but about 50%, that's still a big number that they have grown lettuce at some point. And I feel like lettuce um, uh, blends really well with the high tunnel production uh, starting early in the spring. Uh, here at Iowa State, uh, most of our high tunnels, uh, for example, this year we did a we, we did a similar trial what we did last year with some of the romaines and the uh, uh, summer crisps and the butterheads. Uh, our planting time was you know, first week of April, and uh, we harvested uh, two weeks back, so maybe mid mid May, so about forty five days, forty days we were done from transplanting to harvest. But high tunnels are a, are a great tool to any farms, uh, just because not only provides that season extension to us early, uh, but also uh, the quality of the lettuce is much better when it's grown inside a high tunnel. Uh, less sandblasting or the winds blowing the, you know, uh, the soil against the plants. We feel like there is less fluctuation in the temperature. I mean, it's a little bit more buffered environment in there. Although, uh, you know, if you talk about 4 a.m. in the morning, the temperature outside is 
a high tunnel is the same as temperature inside the high tunnel. It's the same, but the temperature holds on for a longer time. You can hold more warmth in the high tunnel. Uh, insect and disease, not much of an issue in the spring. Uh, initial part, I mean, there, there might be some leaf cutters, uh, some you know other uh, uh, aphid issues. Sometime, mostly in the greenhouse, not in the high tunnel. But overall, the quality of the high tunnel, which we have grown, the, the lettuce which we have grown inside the high tunnel, is you know much better as compared to outside. Emily, what, what would you say? Yeah, totally. I, we don't grow lettuce in the high tunnel when it's, when it's hot out because we save that for tomatoes and cucumbers and things. But um, we do, we do um, grow it inside in the spring and the fall. And yeah, it is, it is really nice to have it undercover. I, I notice it, especially like if it rains hard, the lettuce gets filled up with mud and it's <laughs> really hard to wash, but that doesn't happen when it's grown undercover. Mm. Um, at least for head lettuce, it's easier to wash salad mix. But um, yeah. yeah, I think the size of the lettuce, the size of the lettuce head is also bigger, and hmm. when they are grown inside versus outside. Uh, um, so based on the experiment last year, when when we compared, this is in the fall, we grew lettuce in the high tunnel that was uh, transplanted some September first. And we transplanted the same day outside in the open conditions. And when we harvested, when we collected the data, uh, boy, hands down, the, the high tunnel ones, bigger, much better quality. Outside ones, I would not say bad quality or anything. They were still okay, but they are smaller. Uh, as Emily mentioned, a lot of dust and dirt, not dust, but you know, a lot of soil, you know, adhering to them. Uh, and then uh, 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 this might be more an advantage for the outside plants. They were more... Uh, uh, dark in color and maybe that's because mm. they have been uh, uh, exposed to the weather elements and, and the reduced light intensity and the fluctuation in temperature and but more light though as compared to a high tunnel they had more pronounced uh, red coloration for example if you grew, if you grew thurinus which is a romaine type if you grow it inside versus outside we saw more color outside but again when a customer wants to buy lettuce they would look for that big nice head uh, romaine head rather than a small one. Right. Hmm. Um, what are some of the varieties that you are seeing perform best um, and worst? I know, Emily, you mentioned the Salanova mix um, from Johnny's and then the mirror, yeah. I think was the mirror other one that you had mentioned. Yeah, that's a, a green crisp type lettuce. And that one does really well for us in the summer. Um, we also do grow a romaine called Concept. And that one does okay. I haven't played around with varieties of romaines or reds a, a lot. I just kind of found, I found concept and the, the red we grow is called New Red Fire. And those ones do fine. And I've just sort of stuck with them. Um, but yeah, I think Muir, Muir is really good for summer. Yes. To add to Emily's uh, you know, point here, I also love Muir. It's a great cultivar that can be grown inside the high tunnel. It's a summer crisp type from Johnny's, <clears throat> they call it, it's, it's the most heat tolerant. And I think it shows, uh, so in our experiment, <coughs> excuse me, we had uh, uh, several of the summer crisp types. So Muir was one of them. Uh, Magenta is another one, uh, Cherokee, and then uh, Lovelock, which is from high mowing. So we did not find any statistically significant difference in, in yield between all these four. Uh, all of them did really well. Uh, between uh, Cherokee and Magenta, uh, uh, which are, are red colored uh, summer crisp. Uh, I like Cherokee because it's a little bit more dark red uh, than the Magenta. 
but all these four, you know, they were able to take some of, I would not say they will take a lot of heat, but as compared to some other cultivars, they did really well. Uh, hmm. Many of them have a good uh, disease resistant package when it comes to viruses. Um, and uh, I feel like they are well adapted you know, uh, to grow both inside uh, and, and outside conditions. So, so yeah, so I would say those may be maybe the summer Chris and just to add to Emily's point here for some of the Romaine, uh, uh, Aerostar is another one which we had uh, uh, good luck uh, uh, growing uh, inside High Tunnel. Coastal Star is another one uh, that's from Johnny's. Aerostar is from High Moving. Uh, two other ones which we uh, uh, trialed inside the High Tunnel. This is in the fall uh, for the Romaines. Uh, one was Thurinus, which is a red one, and the other one is Sparks, uh, S P A R X, Sparks. So just uh, is one year of data of these four in the Romaine, uh, Thurinus did not do well as compared to the other three, hmm. both inside and outside. So it's only one year data. We, we are doing it again this year, but for some reason, the yield of the Thurinus uh, was less as compared to, uh, you know, uh, uh, Coastal Star or hmm. you know, Aerostar uh, or Sparks. Were those all red Romaines? Is that what you said? Uh, no, uh, Coastal Star is green. Um, Aerostar is green. Only Turinus was the red. Sparks is also green. Yeah. In my experience, red lettuce is harder, <laughs> generally. <laughs> what about, did you, <laughs> did you do any customer or any kind of taste tests um, when you were collecting any of the data last year, Ajay? So um, I did a very informal taste test and it, it was not, IRB approved or anything, <laughs> I cannot use the data. But uh, uh, we just brought some, uh, when, we, when we were harvesting, we brought it in uh, the main building and we have you know, students who are working for us and the farm crew and all. So we just think, okay, take a, take a bite of each and tell us which is your favorite. And uh, uh, surprisingly, you know, a Cherokee was something which everybody liked. It's a summer mm -hmm. crisp type. So uh, mo most of the people like Cherokee. Uh, Magenta was also on the list. Uh, the, the advantage, I think the advantage with Cherokee and Magenta bring is they're not as red as what a Thurinus looks like, but they still bring that red tinge to it. They have, they might still have a mm -hmm. green base and they have red leaves. So it still has the blend, a good blend of contrast of green and red. Uh, mm. uh, so those two are the ones I heard a lot, you know, where, 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 you know, our crew here at the farm, uh, like we should, I think we should be doing more, you know, technical analysis or, uh, lab analysis, looking at the bricks, we can juice it and just look at the bricks. Uh, although, I mean, lettuce is not, uh, you know, known for its sweetness, but some definitely have a milder flavor. For example, the butter heads, people like it just for the flavor. They, they are small, right. they are buttery, they don't have that, you know, uh, you know uh, bitter taste to them. Uh, and, mm. they, and, and again, uh, I think uh, some of the ones, you know, we have used, uh, Adriana, Nancy, uh, Skyforce, those are some of the butterhead which, you know, have done really well. Emily, have you heard anything from customers you sell to? They have a preference of, oh, I love this one. Everyone wants the butter lettuce. <laughs> yeah, all the time. <laughs> and we can only grow it for such a brief period of time. I feel like everyone's always a little disappointed. You know, it's only there for a few weeks in the, in the spring, in the fall. But if I could grow it all year, I totally would. I Yeah, I really like Skyfos too. And that's a red butterhead. And we also grow Optima, which is a green one. Um, yeah. Optima they do seem to be harder for us to 
I don't know. The, the heads that get going and, and decide they're going to grow well do, but not all of them do. And I'm not sure. I probably need to play around with varieties more. But yeah. What about like pests and disease issues? Do you have any differences between like the spring and fall production versus the summer? Um, any increased challenges with anything in particular? The only pests that we've really had trouble with um, are slugs. And that seems to depend more on how wet it is and less on what time of year it is. Um, yeah, not a lot of disease struggles either. Um, but that could change. We've only been on this piece of land for four years. So okay, all of those sicknesses haven't found us yet. But <laughs> yeah, mainly it's slugs and what do you do? I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, so what do you do to manage them usually? I don't know what to do, to be honest. I just let them be there and pick off all the leaves that they've eaten. <laughs> usually yeah. they, don't, they don't get so deep into the head that you can't sell it. You just have to be a little more mindful of cleaning off the outer leaves that, that they've chewed holes into. Yeah. So they haven't really destroyed a crop of lettuce for us. They just are present sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about managing the crops differently in the summer, like irrigation or fertilization, mulch, that kind of thing? Honestly, we don't really do much different. Um, we're, we, we aren't quite as like high maintenance about our crops as some people might be. So I bet if you talk to another lettuce grower, they would have more to say than I do. But we, um, I mean, we irrigate if it's really dry. But uh, we don't mulch, really. We don't, yeah, I don't know. We just plant them. <laughs> plant them and weed them and harvest them. Um, so I guess uh, uh, on campus here on the research farm, uh, I have kind of leaned more towards uh, using plastic culture systems. So uh, I put mm -hmm. them on raised beds, which has a drip tape underneath it. And uh, uh, and I don't, I don't know, I don't know, Emily, what your spacing is, but on the, on the, if it's inside the high tunnel or even if we are outside, if you're using a, <clears throat> uh, uh, not too wider of a plastic, I usually go by a nine by nine configuration, which means on that bed, I'll have two rows. Both the rows are nine inches apart. And within the row, each plant is nine inch apart. I can, I think I can squeeze it to eight inches uh, and maybe fit more plants in there, but the nine by nine, you know, it, it, it's working great. Uh, and lettuce, again, it's such a quick growing crop, you know, 50 day, you are in and out. So uh, weeds, by the time weeds become a challenge, maybe between the rows, in the row, the plastic takes care of it. I mean, there's no weeds, except the ones that pop out from the hole uh, where you have planted uh, uh, lettuce. Uh, with respect to pests, you know, I think I, I there's more challenges on, on our part here in the greenhouse. When we grow the transplants, we can see aphids in the greenhouse. But generally, you know, if you let them acclimatize the transplants outside before you, uh, before you transplant it, let, just be there, let the plants be out there for three or four days, <clears throat> that helps to, you know, reduce the population and have, have some of the beneficial insects come and, and help us out that way too. And you, you talked about fertility, you know, uh, uh, typically lettuce needs anywhere, you know, uh, about 80 to 100 pounds an acre of nitrogen. That's the usual recommendation for soils which are high in organic matter. When I say high, it's like anywhere from two to two and a half percent organic matter. So um, initially I did some work or, or I, I was always thinking that I need to always split my nitrogen, uh, apply one third first and the remaining to drip. 
But in the case of lettuce, it's such a quick growing crop. I find that, you know, I just apply all at once, uh, right in the, at the time of planting. And I'll incorporate it in the soil. If it's a conventional experiment, I can put urea, I can use MAP or DAP for nitrogen and phosphorus and, uh, and potassium chloride, potassium sulfate for uh, KC for potassium. Uh, but, but if I'm an if I'm growing it organically, you know, we have used compost as the primary source, which, which is great. You know, it helps the soil in many other ways. And also I've bought, you know, commercial uh, uh, fertilizers, for example, Sustain um, 862. That is something which we use, uh, dehydrated chicken manure, you know, other forms of that. So, and I apply all at once. And again, as long as the nutrients are there and the plants are growing well, you provide water. I mean, th those lettuce grow really well. Yeah. <laughs> so after, you know, everything that we've talked about, um, what do you think is most important for lettuce producers um, to know for the consistent summer lettuce production? Um, one thing that, that we do is we just plant it once a week, all season long, no matter what. And that, that makes sure that you'll, probably have lettuce most of the time. Like even if one of the plantings bolts or gets eaten by, by slugs or something, there's going to be a next one coming down the line. Um, and yeah, we usually have lettuce pretty consistently just because of that. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. That succession timing is so important. Mm -hmm. I would say yeah, you know, planting lettuce, but works. <laughs> also, if you're planning to, let's say, grow the, uh, lettuce in the summertime uh, and you're harvesting kind of in the peak of the summer or very close to the peak of the summer. Uh, if it's in the high tunnel, I do put shade cloth on the high tunnel uh, and there are different degrees of shade cloth you can use. We did an experiment focusing on the type of shade cloth. Uh, is it, should it be a 50% shade cloth? Should it be a 30% shade cloth or no shade cloth? That, this experiment was more focused on pepper production, colored peppers. Mm -hmm. uh, but one of the outcomes or, or the results from that study was that the 30% shade cloth is the best uh, uh, you know, solution. If you put 50%, it's too much shade. Uh, mm -hmm. And we don't want to shade. We want to have good quality and, and intensity of light in the high tunnel too. So we, we typically uh, put... Uh, shade cloth over our high tunnel some, somewhere like end of June in July when it gets really hot, the days are like 90 degree and that helps to, to moderate and keep the temperature air you, there's a significant difference in the air temperature and outside and inside when you put a shade cloth, sometime even like 4 or 5 degree uh, on an average difference, it could be more than that too, but that, that, that is something you know, especially for summer uh, lettuce production and making sure we provide water it's growing inside the high tunnel. It could be stressed out. It's, it's hot in there. So making sure uh, there is enough water for the plants. And, and then at the same time, being very careful of not, uh, 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 looking at the nutrients as, nutrient aspect of it, like the nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, because you don't want to uh, uh, start your plants on a back foot. You, they need to have everything there so that they can grow really well. Uh, one thing which I have noticed, this is not less in the uh, summer, but it could happen then too, is uh, uh, we call it the uh, it, it tip burn, lettuce tip burn. And I've seen more in the butterhead types, you know, one year Nancy had it, uh, Adriana had it, uh, but you know, the tip of the leaves, the inner leaves, the younger leaves will be, you know, brown, the leaf edges will brown and that's primarily because of calcium deficiency. And it's not because calcium is not in the soil. It's because calcium is not moving into the plant with water. So if you don't water regularly, 
if you water it at longer intervals, there might be calcium deficiency mm -hmm. and the leaf tip might be brown and that makes it non-marketable. So uh, that is something we need to be you know, careful about. Um, well, you mentioned heat, um, especially in the high tunnel. What about overhead watering to cool off the plant? Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, so you have to be careful in the, in the high tunnel. One is uh, the, not many of the high tunnels are built so that they can provide overhead irrigation. I mean, it can be, you know, you have to uh, uh, engineer it in. You can, can put a, I mean, a pipe at the top and put some sprinklers in there. I've seen some high tunnel growers do that, or some might even just put two or three tripod stands, you know, a, la a tall tripod stand and run the irrigation that way. Uh, uh, with, with too much of moisture on the leaves, uh, diseases can come in. You know, that, that is something I, I would rather keep water off my, leaf and, and not let it get it exposed to uh, uh, disease you know or pathogens this year unfortunately we did find uh, some pythium in our high tunnel just in one corner of it you know but the pythium spores you know spread and then water could spread it splashing could spread it so i would be careful of using overhead irrigation i would prefer using drip irrigation okay so do you know if there's any research that's been done if it actually works to cool off the plant even like out in the field when you know when the summer sun is, you know, hmm. you know, middle of the day when it's really hot. I, yeah. I mean, with the high tunnel, the approach we have taken, as I indicated, is just the shade cloth. Another, you know, thing is, and I'm sure Emily is doing it, is, you know, we usually harvest early in the day, you know, so there's less stress mm -hmm. on the plant. They don't wither off that quickly. And we immediately cool them, you know, immediately bring it down to 40 degree Fahrenheit and, and keep the crispness and keep, keep the freshness. Uh, those are some strategies, you know, just to make sure that the harvest time you preserve the integrity and, and the freshness. Uh, Emily, I don't know any other practices you all do at the farm. Yeah, for in terms of harvest, uh, we definitely try to do uh, lettuce first thing. Um, it doesn't take long into the morning for it to get too hot. And even, yeah, that can impact flavor a lot, just like an hour's difference in harvest time. So we we cut it and we put it in the tank of water as fast as we can. And that works great. Yeah, and to thinking about like watering in the middle of the day. I've never, we don't have overhead irrigation set up, so I've never done it, but I have been told um, that, I don't know, sometimes if, if you water when it's really hot, like if that can kind of steam them or scald them mm -hmm. or something, um, especially if the if it's just on the surface and not like, near the roots and inside the whole plant, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, so it's generally counterproductive. Maybe. I mean, I really don't have a lot of experience with it one way or the other, but that's my my two cents about, about that question of yours. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes sense. So that's kind of interesting. And I don't know, I it gets really humid here, especially in the eastern part of the state in Nebraska, um, later in, on in the summer. And so I would assume that that probably has a role in, um, if, if you're overhead watering, um, lettuce too, I don't know if that would do anything with transpiration or whatnot. So interesting. Yeah, I bet it would, but I don't know exactly what. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something to play around with, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. 
Well, I think as we start to wrap up, um, we can see if there's any more questions coming in from um, any of the attendees today. Um, but I, do you do either of you all have anything else that you would like to add, maybe that we've missed in the conversation um, about future research or um, just any last parting thoughts? Well, it seems like heat tolerant lettuce varieties is going to be a infinite line of research. So <laughs> hopefully that just keeps happening and keeps happening. <laughs> yeah, definitely. As the demand increases, uh, these, these summer crisp types, you know, which are more heat tolerant, uh, I think there's value in growing them. Uh, it, is, it is important. And I, I guess the efforts now are going down in this area, which is okay, is that our consumers are well educated and they know what to look for and you know uh, so i feel like our mentality of this iceberg lettuce it, lettuce was only known as the iceberg lettuce right we did not know about the other type the summer crisp the bib type the salanova type you know romaine and so i feel there's a lot of room here to expand uh, uh, for our growers and for our consumers also to to pick and that has really spare, you know spared a lot of uh, 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 growth in this area like Emily mentioned about, you know, grower, uh, the consumers wanting the butterhead types, you know, because once they get hooked to it, they realize that, yeah, this is, this is good. I mean, green is good. <laughs> and hopefully the kids will also eat and, and the parents will be happy that their kids are eating, you know, vegetables. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree to Emily, you know, having good cultivars, making sure we, you know, uh, grow good quality transplants, especially for these head types. Uh, and I can foresee, you know, romaines are overall in general, you know, California uh, grows a lot of iceberg lettuce between Arizona and California. They grow 95% of the lettuce uh, for, for this country. Uh, but I think things are changing in the, in the Midwest. I mean, there is, there is a, there is room for local markets, local cultivars that can be eaten and, and bought fresh and eaten quickly and, and high quality. So, green the green expansion of market for greens is huge in the in the midwest so i hope you know mm -hmm. our growers will capitalize on it and uh, and keep the local food uh, uh, bandwagon moving absolutely um we do have one question it's a wildlife question um from a grower in michigan about groundhogs um do you all have any advice for managing groundhogs with lettuce in the summer <laughs> Luckily, I have not had that problem. Uh, I do know the, the person I used to work for a year before I had my own firm had a lot of groundhog troubles, and I wish I could tell you what kind of traps he set up, but I can't. But it involved a five-gallon bucket and very vigilant checking. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Groundhogs yeah, for, are hard. For me also, I'm sorry if to, to the listener, I mean, I didn't have much of a problem with groundhog. We at the farm have problems with rabbit and bunnies. Mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. we typically uh, install like a two feet uh, electric fence around the high tunnel or around the field plot. So that because initially when we're planting early in the season, these, these you know, animals don't have anything else to eat. And you see a nice salad bowl of a 30 by 96 high tunnel. Why won't you come and eat that? Right. <laughs> so uh, we put electric fence and that definitely helps. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for that. Um, well, I'm going to finish up here. So this show is put on by the Great Lakes Vegetable Producers Network, a group of extension educators and re researchers from across the Great Lakes and Midwest regions. And it is supported 
by the North Central Integrated Pest Management Center. We broadcast live via Zoom at 12.30 Eastern, 11.30 Central every Wednesday from the first week of March to the first week of September. And we interview farmers, researchers, and others about topics relevant to vegetable growers. Um, next week, you can join my colleague Matthew Kleinheins and Doug Duhan from the Ohio State University's Horticulture and Crop Science Department as they discuss the important topic of herbicide drift. Emily and Ajay, thank you both for being here today. Um, and thanks to all of our listeners for joining us. I hope you guys have a great week. We will see you next Wednesday, same time, same place. Thank you, Katie. And thank you, Emily. Nice seeing you. Yes, thank you all. It was really nice to connect with you both. I wish you well in the rest of your growing season, Emily. Ajay, I'm sure we'll see you soon. Absolutely. Thank you very much. You all have a nice day. All right. Bye-bye.